God bless you this morning. Can we give some visitors just a welcome here today? Would you do that? We are always so glad to have people come by and, and visit. And hopefully the Lord will just minister you in such a way that, that um, you will make a return trip to see us again. Praise the Lord. Go with us. If you would, to Matthew, the uh, sixth chapter, I want to take a little segment of scripture here that's, that's pretty familiar. Um, if you have been reading the Bible through, you already have passed this. It's only in the sixth chapter of Matthew, and so you probably should have got here already. But, but let's um, read this portion from the 20th verse excuse me, from the 19th verse through the 21st verse. Matthew 6, 19. And and let me kind of, before we even start this, there's a lot of people that believe that what the Lord told people during his ministry doesn't apply to us. That we've kind of gone into it. And and again, about this devolving, I don't want to devolve from the ministry of Christ. I mean, that that is the origins of our faith. And so when we read this this morning, let's not put it off on some time, somebody else, a different era. But look at this and receive it. For yourself. 19th verse, and do not treasure up for yourselves, for you, treasures on the earth. Where moth and rust cause to to vanish, and where thieves dig through and steal. But treasure up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust cause to vanish. And where thieves do not dig through and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I believe that there's a principle here that, that we, can, we can see again. And this is going to be the last in a whole line of series of messages that I have preached. I hope you've received something from it, the gain of loss. So we're going to kind of work with this one last. This one has to do with, you know, maybe a little more personal than some of the others that just let the Lord just minister to you in this this morning. I believe his words are so good. Wow, his words are like, they really do work. I mean, I've tested the word of the Lord, and it works. I don't know about a lot of other stuff, you know, and ideas and things, but, but when Jesus says something, it's, it's power. It's right. It's good. And so let's dig into this this morning and ask his blessing. Lord, we thank you. You know so much more than we do. We think we understand some things and know how to work some things, and really, you just step into it. And again... Lord, you, you modify and you redirect. You begin to shape us and mold us and correct us and, and put us in the right 
way, the right frame of mind and the right thinking, and your word does that to us because it divides the pneuma and the suke. It divides the soul and the spirit. We begin to see, Lord, through some different angles, through the spirit of God. And we just ask you now, Lord, that our hearts would just be, be light and illuminated in your word, we pray it, Jesus. Amen. Amen. These words that the Lord has spoken to us here, I would call them an antithesis to the so-called American dream. Does everybody know what the American dream is? I mean, we hear about it a little bit, maybe on TV, maybe a politician or somebody mentions the American dream. But they've been talking about that a long time, and part of the American dream is that, that you have a right to be successful. You have a right to earn. You have a right to better yourself. You have a right to accumulate things, that, that there are certain protections in our government, and even though some of those may be, be hindered a little bit, and seems like some of that might be falling apart, there still is this thing called the American dream, whereby we have learned that hard work and good investments are a formula for success. That's the American dream, is that you may be born poor. You may have not really too much to work with, but if you can reach down inside of yourself and realize that hard work and good investments give you an opportunity to raise yourself up from where you are. Now, I like that. I, I still I believe in those values. Can you say amen? I mean, believes that hard work is a good thing. Yeah, it is. I told some of the kids around here, well, you've got about 40 years more of uh, good hard work, so get ready, ready to go. You're going to work. That's why even when God made Adam, put him in a garden, the first thing he tells him, now you're going to take care of the garden. And Adam thought, man, I want to be on vacation, permanent vacation, and lay under the tree and, and just eat bonbons. And the Lord says, no, you're going to work. So you might as well get ready. Work is a right thing. It's a good thing. And then, then the second thing is you can't invest unless you have something to invest. And so hard work uh, pays off for you, and you begin to increase. Now, I think about the jobs I had when I was young. Some of you can think about those things, and wow, I worked at times, it seemed like, so for, for so very, very little, but I needed to learn, and I didn't have any skills, and I didn't have, you know, much more education than just a high school education, and so I had, I had to come up, and I had to learn, and every one of you sitting here this morning know what I'm talking about, and you started, doesn't matter what your trade is, you started low, you started barely understanding anything, and then by and by, you begin to get some knowledge and get some understanding, you got some skills, and so your, 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 your pay begin to go up, and you begin to have, you know, just a little more than what you had, and then finally, if you worked hard enough, you got to the place where you had something to invest. A lot of us um, took a long time till we got to the place where we had something to invest. Can you say amen? But all this is true. The American dream is true. 
And, and I think that, you know, this country is blessed. There's a lot of countries that you can work very hard and you never get to the place where you're ahead. But you can here. And it's all true unless a catastrophe happens. And when a catastrophe happens, then all the rules are changed. I know that some of you remember sometime back, if you can remember about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, 2008, 2009, 2010, we were under a financial disaster uh, that was caused by just some very poor things done government-wise. And I know that being in, in housing, they were uh, doing these loans, what they call drive-by loans, that they would just drive by the house. They couldn't turn anybody down uh, because of credit. They fixed that so that, that even the impoverished people could get a loan, and they just drive by the house, and and it was crazy because a lot of people got, you remember this, a lot of people got mortgages they could not at all pay for, and then a lot of people got in over their head. There was you know, you know a lot of refinancing and things going on, and, and everybody kind of got in this bubble where they owed more than what the house was worth and so on and so forth, and that bubble burst. Those of you that were involved in that, you remember that. You lost, you lost your house, you lost your car, you lost your savings. And if you happen to have an IRA, that was wiped out. It seemed like that just it didn't happen over a long period of time, but it built up and up and up, and then a catastrophe hit. We have a family member who said, it just, in a few, it seemed like overnight, just a few weeks that, that he lost a million dollars of investment in stock, that it dropped that much, and it was rough, and I didn't like it. Can anybody else say amen? <laughs> it was rough. I don't like going through that kind of stuff, and, and uh, I don't like the things that you've worked for and you got ahead in and you invested in and then all of a sudden it fell apart. And then we come to 2020. In 2020, we had the best economy going on the face of the earth ever. The best economy ever. And it doesn't take too much for the wheels to come off I mean, during the Trump years, and we're going to call them the Trump years now, during the Trump years, investment was at high level. There was new confidence, and investors began to invest in the stock market, and the stock market got as high and further than it had ever got. Employment was up to a place where there were more Americans working than ever, uh, the the unemployment rate was the lowest ever, and the economy was booming, was going forward. Small businesses were thriving. People were working. And then catastrophe hits. When catastrophe hits, it seems like you're helpless to do anything about it. I thank God that here in Northern California, it didn't hit as hard as in other places. Can you say amen to that? I, like I said, most everybody here maintained their jobs. 
I mean, they had to tweak them a little bit and do some things differently, maybe some hours uh, changed and different things like that. But just about everybody kept their jobs and kept working. We provided for our families. Thank the Lord for that. But when this happens, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing to come to, to an economic shutdown. And, and boy, we didn't see that coming. We'd never, we thought investment was on the rise. Investment was multiplying. People were, were putting money into things. And then all of a sudden, we have this shutdown thing, and, and it all begins to now fall apart. And we look at the country, and again, thank the Lord we live here in Northern California. I, I'll tell you what, there has been some effect here, but not nearly like some other places in California. The big cities and things are just going, really going through it bad. But people stop investing. When that happens, you don't invest anymore. It's because you don't understand what's going to happen. This morning, I want to talk about kingdom investment. There comes a time that when things get shaky, you quit investing. And let me say that spiritually too. When you get on shaky ground in your spirit, one of the first things you begin to do is quit investing in the kingdom of God. And I got to talk about that a little bit because there's healing for it and there is blessing in it. And we look at the natural now. We're not out of the woods yet. Watch out now. We, we have an administration coming down the road who has economic paralysis in their hands. I can't, no way can I want to go out and try and invest anything right now. Well, what do we do? You know, somebody said, do they come on those commercials all the time about uh, commercials about investing into gold? And uh, who is that guy that comes up? Oh, man, he's just investing into gold. Well, he's investing into gold because they're paying him to do the commercials. They're probably paying him in gold. But most of us don't have the wherewithal to invest in gold, Right? You know, at $1,800 an ounce, we don't just like, well, let's just go out and buy several ounces today. You know, most of us aren't in that kind of shape. And so invest in gold and silver. Gold and silver is going, gold and silver are only worth what the market says they are worth. Well, what you should do is invest in property. If you can get invested into property, that's going to work out really good. Look at properties going way up, up, up. And, and it did 12 years ago, and then it fell down. We bought a lot. For 50-some thousand dollars, ready to build a house on it. And the economy fell, and we ended up selling that lot. I believe it was 7500 bucks. How do you like that? That's a great investment, isn't it? It got so low, I came I said, God, I'm going to do what they did in the New Testament. I'm giving it to you. And we sold it, and I just ran up the check and gave it to the Lord. I was so fed up with it. I said, God, we're going broke anyway. It doesn't matter. And we did. And we kept, one of the reasons why we tried to stay in an economy that was failing, keep trying to prop it up, 
And so we went broke and lost our house. Rodney went broke and lost his house. Austin went broke and lost his house. A lot of people went broke and lost their house. There was nothing you could do about it. It just, it just was what happened. And sometimes, you know, we look for something to invest into. And right now, people are trying to invest into, into shelters and into guns and ammunition. And good luck there. You can hardly buy a gun and you can't find any ammunition. I know what. Let's all invest into buckets of dry food. Turn on to Jim Baker. I don't know if you've ever seen the Jim Baker. He used to be a preacher. Now he's a junk salesman. He sells buckets of dry food. And so you can get the big package for about $1,500. Is enough dry food there to last you and your family probably two, three months. Then what are you going to do at the end of two or three months? We think about the investment. You know, it seems silly, but there's a lot of people that are going that direction because, man, somehow I've got to survive this. Listen, you can't stock up enough stuff to, to survive a total economic collapse. You can't invest anywhere that's going to take you through that kind of an ordeal. If the market crashes, if our economy fails, there is absolutely not much you can do about it. But the good thing is, is that our trust is not in the economy of this world. Our trust is not in what we can do. Our trust is in the Lord. And God is our provider. God has always been our provider. Say, no, I'm a self-made man. Time out. Where are you getting the breath from to breathe? to do the things that you are making yourself a self-made man. How are you getting out of bed in the, in the morning without God giving you life and strength and health? Our provision is not in the mind of man. It's not in government. It's not, it's not in a new president. not in an old president. Our, our sustenance, our help comes from the Lord. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. I am so convinced of that. I pray that prayer every morning. I can't provide even my own needs unless there's a heavenly father that's given bread to his children. Can you say amen? And so we've got, a, we've got a disconnect in the kingdom that's going on right now, and it's around us. If you've been listening to some of this, there's, there's many false prophets that have risen. They are intertwining the systems of this world with the system of God. And somehow God is relying upon certain people and administrations and governments and God can't do it without them and they have to get into place. If they're not in place, then God's people aren't going aren't to survive. And, and really what they've done is they've, they have caused there to be a distraction in the kingdom. Because Jesus clearly said, my kingdom is not of this world. Don't frame my kingdom like this world. Don't act like that my kingdom has anything to do with 
the governments of this world. My kingdom comes out with, without observation. You won't even see the kingdom of God. So to try and, and prophesy ourselves into uh, the kingdom of this world being, being in effect, going to affect the church and the furthering of the church, that's nothing but a deception because the church is going to go on. I don't care who is king. I don't care who's president. It doesn't matter the administration. It doesn't matter the generation. Because for 2,000 years, the church has not only survived, the church has lived through every trial and test. And every, every man that put his hand on the church to try and bring her down, God has kept and God has provided for this glorious gospel. Amen. So many false prophets are arising, saying this and that, predicting, just as Jesus said, predicting increase, predicting wealth transfer. All it is doing is promoting a self-serving Christianity. Think about it for just a minute. The promise of you getting gain. The promise of you receiving wealth transferred to you. Not for the kingdom use, that's for me. I'm, I've been struggling for a long time and now, now I'm going to get the wealth of other people and it's going to come rolling into me. This kind of prophetic work is no more than a distraction to those who believe that God's kingdom is separated from all that stuff, that God's kingdom is a pure, holy, righteous kingdom. It's not a self-serving kingdom where everything's going to come to us and we get our stuff and God gives us everything that we want. I believe that to be an opposite of the gospel that needs to be preached in this hour. And so therefore, I don't stand up before you this morning and say, hey, listen, America's going to be all right. Everything's going to pan out. All the systems are going to be go, and y'all are going to keep your jobs. Y'all are going to keep your houses. I don't know that. It's happened before. It may happen again. I can't tell you if those investments are going to last for you, but there is an everlasting investment this morning that I want to encourage you to get a hold of in your life and to practice in your life. Let's just go back to the kingdom teaching. The true teaching of the kingdom of Christ. Separate ourselves out from all the self-serving Christianity stuff that we're after. To make me feel better, to make me feel more cushy, to, to cause me to have more and, and be able to do more and go places and, and do things. And really, really God and his kingdom has another thing in mind for us. Can you say amen? And so I want to say for starters, and if you would put up those, the first verse that I read, the 19th verse, the 6th chapter of Matthew, and I, and I want to take this out of, out of uh, King James Version. Lay not up for yourselves. Lay not up for yourselves. Go, go to the next verse real quick. But lay up. For yourself treasure, but not here. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Now I'm going to use a basketball term. And Brother Chris already chuckled because he knows where I'm going. A layup 
is the easiest shot in basketball. Nothing easier than a layup. Brother Dave, right? Amen. He's played some basketball. The percentage of making a layup is far better than any other shot. You're running down the court, and you never do want to stop out at about 20 feet and shoot. You know, if nobody's there, you just go to the hoop, and you just lay it in, bounce it on the backboard. And we've tried to teach our kids that. The girls play basketball, and we try to tell them, use that backboard, Katie, you know, and all that stuff. Just a layup. It's the easiest thing. And really have to take that into this sermon because laying up treasure is a cinch. It's so easy to do. It's not hard at all. It's not a 30-foot shot. It's not a three-pointer. It's not even any outside shot at all. It's just a, it's just a little layup, a little, little putback. And I think if I kind of draw a parallel between that and God's things aren't about basketball, but, but if we kind of draw a parallel, it's so easy that people stumble over it. Try and figure it out, you know, in, in a way that, that you just need to let go of all that. All you need to do is a layup. Wow. So I picture myself running down the spiritual court. <laughs> and there's the goal. And, and, and I'm just going to do a layup and a lay-in. Not hard to do. Let's look at the guideline here for, for the investment of the kingdom. You can only gain in the kingdom if you lose. Now, this is about the sixth sermon, fifth or sixth sermon that I've preached about. Gain from loss or gain because you have lost. You don't gain things in the kingdom of God without losing, without giving up something else. That's the way he's got it set up. So, Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven just by, how do I do that? It just, wow, it's just going up. Oh, God, just lay me up stuff in heaven. No, it's an action on your part. Come on, somebody say amen. And the action on my part is going to qualify. It's another one of those if things. It's conditional. So if you could lay up treasure in heaven, it's possible to not lay up treasure in heaven. Because of the condition. And so if I look at that this morning, there's, there's just a really, really easy way. And, and the Lord has prescribed this for us, and we just read it. And it's called giving. Giving is a layup. It's not a three-point shot, not a half-court shot. It's a layup. It is so Easy, it's not hard at all. You know why it's hard? Because I want to lay up treasure for myself. I want to put it in my own hoop. I want to lay it up in the Lord's hoop. I want to lay it up in my hoop. So that you, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and and I love this. And I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about money a little bit this morning. I don't generally ever talk about this, hardly, rarely. But I'm going to talk about it this morning, so I'm going to talk about it really, really good because I don't really talk about it too much. But I want to talk about it good this morning because, because it's so personal to us. Money being the, the one thing that affects us so much. 
Money gives me the power to do this and that, to buy, to purchase, to. Money gives me the power to invest. And that's absolutely right. You have the power to invest in the kingdom of God in time and money. I believe there's only two things that you can invest in the kingdom of God, and that's time and money. Let's think about time for just a minute. It's going to take you time to work in the kingdom. It's going to take you effort to work in the kingdom of God. It's going to take you putting down and and letting go of yourself and laying up your own time and your own stuff to do his thing. You this morning, you got up this morning, you got out of bed, you got ready, you cleaned yourself up, you come to church, that all takes time. The most precious thing that you have in the earth is time. And the sands of time begin to run down. They begin to run out in our life. Ronnie said this morning he had some, Brother Tom told me he had some pictures of when we were over doing worship and some other things. Must be video. So you were a young man back then. The, time, the sands of time. What did I do between right now and back then? Did I spend that time wisely? Did I invest my time? Or did I just play the game with the world and just try and get what I could get and feel happy and good and and eat every fine meal I could eat and, and enjoy every fine thing I could enjoy? Or did I invest time in the kingdom of God? That's, that's a good question. Giving is something that you have that you willingly turn loose of. I don't like it when people give with strings attached. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? Somebody will give you something, but they're not really giving it to you. They're giving it to you so you can turn around and give back to them. Jesus said, don't invite somebody to your house. Make a big dinner. Have a big time. Put on a big shindig. And then invite people to it that can't pay you back. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I'm not doing that, man. I'm having a big time, and you're going to invite me over. We're just going to go back and forth. It's going to be great. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, that's not giving. I'm going to really, boy, I tell you what, Christmas time is coming, and we got all the gifts down there, and and I'm going to give a gift to them, and they're going to give a gift to me. This is going to be great. You're not giving anything if that's the case. Because if you're receiving, and you're you're not truly just giving, do you just give and not receive? So this... This has really become more of the question for us. Is something that we have that we turn loose of willingly. I want to turn loose of some of my time for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? I want to invest some of my time for the kingdom of God. That may be a lot of things. We're, we're doing a, a, a fasting for the year, and it's going to take you a little time. And you're going to miss some meals, and, and you're going to do that. If you sign up once, once a month, you're going to be 12, 12 days that you're going to go without eating and, and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt your stomach, and you're going to want to eat, but it's just a little time that you're investing in there. And, and you're going to spend some time in prayer, and you're going to put aside your thing and say, I'm going to invest some time in prayer right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down. I'm going to put everything else away and set it aside. I'm going to take some time out of my life, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to sit there for two hours, and I love it because I'm investing time into the kingdom of God. Can somebody say, 
amen, and we go out in the world and we do our thing. You're not investing anything out there. It's just you might be enjoying, you know, a good meal at the steakhouse or something. And that's all fine and good, but that doesn't that does not profit you. But but if you invest time into the kingdom, there's a layup that you're doing in the kingdom. You're setting treasure in heaven. God has not forgot what you have done. Everything that you invest in the kingdom is still there. Oh, this is beautiful. You've made some investments in your life that have fallen apart. You've bought some things that have gone by the wayside. Every once in a while, we you know, like to buy a new car, a new something, and... And but pretty soon, you know, it just it starts getting old, and we get rid of it. But that was the car we always wanted, but we don't want it anymore. We're investing into all that stuff, but I'm gonna tell you this: you invest into the kingdom of God, it stays on. Glory. But let me say this: is that time being your most precious possession, money represents the time you spent working. It's more than just dead presidents in, in uh, green ink. It represents toil. It represents you out there busting it. And whatever you do, whatever your, your job is, ours happens to be, you know, we build, and down there scrubbing concrete. And when I'm done with that and I get paid, I come to the Lord. I said, now I'm going to put money into the kingdom. I'm going to invest in the kingdom. But it's not just money. It's me down there scrubbing concrete. It's you out there doing whatever it is, your talent, your job, whatever you do, putting the time in and taking away from your family and putting work in and, and for your employer making them money. And then you come to the house of God and you invest there. You're not just investing some dollar bills. You're investing the time of your life. And no wonder God looked at that and said, if you just give me 10%, I'm going to look at it as though you gave me everything. That's an amazing thing. Nobody else would honor that. When you look at God's system and God's system of giving, you give to God. You don't give to God out of what you don't have. You give to God out of what he's already blessed you with. And you've got it in your hands. And you've got the right to reinvest into the kingdom. God doesn't expect anybody that doesn't have anything to give him something. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'll give you knowledge. And you go out and work. And you work hard. And when you come back, you give me 10% of that. And I'm going to look at that as though you have blessed me with a blessing. And guess what? I'm going to bless you again. And somebody said, man, Pastor, I just can't see the whole tithe thing. I don't see it in the New Testament. I just, I just don't catch it. I don't get it. But let me take you back to the origins of this thing that God certainly at a tabernacle time, certainly at a temple time, when he had priests and he had, he had things that needed to be done, he didn't rain uh, money down out of heaven for them to use, but he left it open for those that wanted to believe, those that wanted to connect, those that wanted to invest. You get the opportunity 
to invest in the kingdom and at the same time God uses what you have what you've given to make this gospel go forward and I love that system he opens it up you don't have to give if you don't want to but if you do not give to the kingdom of God you are not connected to the kingdom of God somebody shout now we got a lot of givers in this place See, I found something that it's a parallel. You want a revelation? I'm going to try and give you one this morning. In the Old Testament, God said, bring your first fruits. How many has ever heard that now? Okay, for those who did, never heard that. Bring your first fruits to me. Not your second fruits. Not your rotten fruit. You bring me the best. We don't deserve the best. God deserves the best. I kind of get that a little backwards sometimes. Bring the first fruits. That was in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, listen, listen real close now. In the New Testament, there's a parallel revelation. It is the protos. Seek ye protos first. The kingdom of God. Everybody listening to me. Seek first the kingdom of God. Just like Old Testament. First fruits. New Testament. First fruits. I'm going to tell you something about my life that I figured out a long, long time ago. And that that we just, we just live in it. We're just going to do it. I want everything in my life tithed. Everything in my life, I want it tithed. I don't want there to be a single thing that I didn't bring God the first fruits on. Somebody say amen. Well, that's Old Testament. I don't care if you want to call it Old Testament. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in the New Testament, and I'm going to do at least as much as what they did in the Old Testament. Somebody say amen. Tithe and offerings become to us first fruit of the kingdom. And the God of yesterday and today and forever does not receive less than the best. I said, well, God, you know, he wanted the best in the Old Testament. The New Testament, he doesn't care. No, it's the same God. Same humanity and same God. God wanted the best in the Old Testament. He wants the best in the New Testament. It's the same God. He wants people to honor him as though he deserves the very elite of everything in our life. And what is the best of our life? And what is the, what is the, the, the good thing in our life? And, and, and the holy and the righteous thing. And we present that unto him as though he is the one who deserves it. He receives the first, the best, and only from those who delight in giving to him. Now, I've said this before, and I don't want to pick at anybody or make anybody feel bad. I just, just want to give you the gospel this morning. If you don't want to give, keep it in your pocket. You're going to need it. <laughs> Some of the old preachers, you know, I don't know how many have been to, been to old church, man. They hung you over hell on a, on a thread, and they had a torch on the thread. If you don't pay tight, okay, I'm not going there. But what I'm saying to you this morning, 
is that God deserves the best out of our life. Claim to be a Christian and not support the cause of the kingdom of God? That's ludicrous. Does everybody know what ludicrous? I didn't think you did, so let me read you. It is so foolish and unreasonable or out of place that it's amusing. Do you know that God laughs? Some things amuse him. I know that he laughed at some's calamity because they stood up and said, we're going to do this and that, and God laughed at their calamity. I think it's ludicrous for us to believe that we're part of something that we're not invested in. It's just absolutely ludicrous. It's amusing. It's so unreasonable. So let me ask you a question. How do we actually give to the Lord? Now, wouldn't you this morning, man, I tell you what. I sat down here last Sunday, and we did those feet, and I thought, Lord, I would really balk at you washing my feet. And to personalize that, you know, and Peter did that. He, he balked at it just like, oh, no, man, I can't let him wash my feet. He is here's the great one, the mighty one, the Christ. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're not, you don't wash my feet. And I wonder if I personally, how do I, compared to that, how do I give a gift to that same Lord and transfer it, actually transfer that from me to him? How can I do that? Well, then I think the question arises about his kingdom about the parameters of the kingdom and the setup of the kingdom, and if we're still following in the kingdom, the only way to give to the Lord because it is spirit. Somebody said this. They said, I give to God. Here's how I do it. I throw my money up, and I let him take what he wants, and whatever comes down is mine. And I hardly think that's the plan, right? But how do I literally give to the Lord? I want you to listen to this because I believe this. When you support his objectives, when you support his kingdom, when you support his desires, when you support his church, he said, I will build me my church. And if you can somehow get into where he's at and what he's doing and give to his cause, I believe you are directly giving it to the Lord himself. Everybody say amen. That's been a giver for a lot of years. And you've given it, you just, you know, it's part of what you do. And, and I think, well, I just, you know, I'm supporting the church. No, don't look at it that way. You are supporting the Lord himself. Because I'm talking to you this morning about, and read his words about laying up treasures in heaven and how do I get them there? How do I transfer them there? Would I put them on a spaceship and blow them up into heaven? No. Let me tell you how to transfer what you've got to his thing and what he's got. And that is to give to his cause. Does everybody understand that? Say amen. I think it's pretty simple. That's, that's why it's, it's just a layup. And so by this process, you begin to transfer from the earthly to the heavenly, from the temporal 
And I pull it out. I was so surprised this morning and happy. I put on my suit this morning. I said, I've got to do more of this. I put on my suit. I reached in my pocket. There was a $100 bill in there. Now, I don't know that an angel put it in there. But if they are, let's keep it up. Amen. But I said, no, no, that just, I'm just going to give that to the Lord this morning. So we did that. But when you transfer out of your possession, I've got giving is something I have that I willingly do give away. And I transfer that from my hand into his care. He's put it up in heaven. That's his word, not mine. Laying up. I just did a layup. It was so easy. All I did, I just wrote it out. I put an envelope and I just went and laid it up right in that basket right there. Two-pointer. Punk. Easy, 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 easy. And the devil tries to beat us out of that blessing continually. He will always come to you and say, you're wasting your money. They have enough. The church, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. The pastor, this and that and the other. They went out and they bought that, and you don't. Listen, that's not giving. When you give, you've got to realize that you don't have any control of what happens on that end of it. But when you give, you lay up treasure in heaven. Even if somebody does something wrong with the funds that you have given, and we try our best not to do that here, but if you you give something and they've done something wrong with those funds, listen, that does not subtract from the reward in heaven. You still have laid it up in heaven. And so man can't destroy that. Man can't take that away. There's nothing that can be done about that. You have laid up to your Lord. What you've done is walked up to him and handed him an offering in his hand and said, here, Lord, I want to support your kingdom. I want you to give with confidence. The amount that you give will neither increase me or decrease me. That's not my, that, 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 that's not what promotes me this morning. But the idea of a freedom to just lay up, lay up treasure in heaven. We said it a few weeks ago, the little woman with a couple of mites, I think somebody else, I think maybe Pastor Ronnie talked about that. And all she had was two little lipta. I mean, they are so small that they're not even worth anything. Man, I'm going to really support the kingdom of God. All I've got is two pennies, and I'm going to put them in. You know, you can't even hardly two pennies do anything. The Lord didn't see it that way. When that woman dropped those few little pennies in that offering, chink, chink in heaven. She laid up a treasure in heaven that would not pass away. Can you imagine? People have been preaching about her for 2,000 years. What a popular woman. We don't know her name, but what a popular woman. Why? Because she wanted to be a part of the kingdom of God and said, I don't have much, but I'm going to give of what I've got. And the Lord saw that and said, you are a part this morning. You have laid up treasure in heaven. And listen, when you lay it up, it's immune to some things in heaven. Number one, it's immune to falling away. It's immune to being devalued. 
It's immune to rusting and falling away and, and becoming no good. Oh, no, it will always be the same treasure that it was. Secondly, there are no thieves that are going to break in and take away the treasure. I'm telling you what, I fight the devil, and I fight a lot of things in this world, but he doesn't have access to the treasures that we lay down in heaven. He doesn't get to come by like a foul accountant and take your name out of the roll and switch it and do this. He doesn't have that right because what you lay up in heaven, there is no thief nowhere at no time that's going to affect what you've done in the kingdom of God. And man, I love that. I just want you to search back a little bit right now in your heart and say, God, I've been given. I've been given for a long time. And, and what I've given is not wasted. What I've given is accounted for. I've been given, this church has been given, you all have been given, that souls may be one in Mexico and Guatemala and souls are being one. We've been given that pastors will be taught and that, that people will understand how to establish churches. And we've been given that we helped build a Bible school and we helped buy a van for the Bible school and, and we helped support pastors and build churches and we will continue to do that and the kingdom of God will go forward. But I want to tell you this, church, as you do that, you are laying treasure in heaven. And no devil is going to be able to take that blessing away from your life. Wow. And so I present to you this morning that if this country, we pray it doesn't, but if this country goes to total economic collapse, I will never be broke because I have treasure in heaven. Oh, amen. Boy, that's a good feeling. Let me tell you about these investments. They are 100% safe and secure. They're better than a safe deposit box down at the bank. They're better than that safe that you've got out there that you throw a few dollars in, that somebody can come by with a, with a hacksaw or something and cut it open and get your money. But your investments in the kingdom, they are solid. They're solid this morning. And so when you open that little book up there and you say, we just gave you a given record of what you did this last year. And you can lay that thing open and say, Lord, there it is. I've given to the kingdom. There it is. Devil, you can't have it. You can't take it away. I've already given it. And so you can't destroy that. And it lays up treasure in heaven. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So I want to finish with this. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Where your treasure is. It only makes sense that the things you care about are the things that you support. Have you ever dealt with somebody whose heart wasn't in it? I've done a lot of coaching back in the time of the previous uh, videos we were talking about. Rodney's a little guy. All, a lot of you have done this. Playing t-ball and all that stuff, you know. Little wrestling and teaching them how to stand and all. Just little old tiny guys. and So we raised them through a lot of that. And then he got into high school and we had to let him go, even though we knew more than the coaches knew.
And here's these little guys, and then we're training them and teaching. And then, invariably, on a team, maybe one or two of the kids, you know, a little baseball team or soccer team, whatever it is you're doing, mom and dad want them to play. They don't want to play. Mom and dad want them to play. Until you've tried to deal with that, that's a mess. And Tommy Shakins, he knows what he's talking about. He's been in that coaching thing and baseball and all that junk going on. And, and mom and dad's got them in there, man. And they're, and listen, if you don't play them, first string everything. Mom and dad is going to rain down on your parade. It's just how it works. It's all. So I've had a few little Johnnies in there, you know, and I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. When I could put them in in the last inning and let them get a swing at bat, I don't know. They don't even want to be here. They show up late. They leave early. They don't come to practice. It's just, it's horrible. But the league says you got to play them, you know, and then we got into football. They have a minimum number of plays that you have to do so everybody plays, and I understand that. But some kids don't even they don't even care if they get out there. They haven't listened. They haven't practiced. They know nothing. You throw them out on the field. Their heart isn't in it. You can't hardly do something like that without a heart. I've worked beside people that their heart wasn't in work. They didn't want to work. They didn't even want to be there. They were waiting for a check is why they were there. I believe this is contrary to the Christian faith. The scripture says, work. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Do it right. You're going to go to work, get an attitude, go out and work. They didn't want to be there. Man, I've worked with those kind of people. Oh, they're just a drag. It's horrible. They don't, like, they don't like being there. They don't like the day. They don't like you. They don't like nothing because their heart isn't in it. There is nothing harder as a pastor and I say this from the experience of what we did for several years in discipleship. There is nothing harder than trying to get somebody to follow Jesus that doesn't want to. There is just, there isn't anything harder in this world. About the time you think you've got them and, and they're doing what we call doing good. And they're doing good. Then we go in the room and we find out that there's heroin in the room. About the time we think that they're doing good, and we find out, no, no, they went over and did so-and-so behind the building and this and that and the other, and you're just, oh, man, we've done everything to help them. We've, we've, all of us have discipled them and brought them to classes and fed them and everything, and why won't they serve Jesus? The heart's not in it. It's not that we failed. In church, what we did, maybe sometime we'll do some more of something like that again. But it's not because we failed. It's because you can't have people teach them, train them to serve the Lord that their heart isn't in it. And so now I'll just refer right back to the scripture that we read earlier. <coughs> if your heart isn't in serving God... You're not going to have treasure in the kingdom because you don't lay treasure. You don't see the kingdom of God valuable. 
And your heart's not in it. So if your heart's not in it, you won't give to it. But if your heart is in something, you'll give to it. I've never heard of a person that owned stock in the market that didn't know constantly what the market influences were all the time. And now it's real easy. You know, you got the little phone, and you just punch on it, and you can find if you got any stock or anything. I've got a few little old, old precious metals, not much, but got a little precious metals. And I watch it, you know, like it makes a difference. And so I'm watching it, you know, how, what's it today? Kay will say, what's it doing today? And I'll tell her, what's it, it, it really isn't. It's just a game. It doesn't really matter that much. But people that have great investments in the stock market, they're watching that thing go up and down, and their heart is in that thing because their treasure is there. Whoa. When you get so intent on the kingdom of God that your treasure is in the kingdom of God, your heart is there too. Oh, yeah. So where is my heart, Lord? Where's, where's my heart, my treasure? If I can find my treasure, my heart, I'll find my heart. If I can find my heart, I'll find my treasure. Because they run together. Listen, Ephesians, the third chapter. Or rather, Colossians, the third chapter. If then you were raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is sitting in the right of God. Mind the things above, not the things on the earth. For you died, and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. If my affections are set on things above, my heart, then it's easier for me to lose, to gain. If I can just set my affections on things above. I don't know, we have a lot of things going on in this, this life of ours. We've got a lot of stuff that we have to do. But don't forget in your daily life, set your affections on things above. Don't forget, you're not just here to go out and work. You're, you're here to produce in the kingdom of God. And God's going to bless you, and there's going to be abundance. And I believe in your time of lack. And so what happens? The treasure, God begins to, what could you pay for a healing? What could you pay for a salvation of one of your loved ones? That's going to come out of the treasure house of God. And so I want to run to God and ask him for this and that and the other. And I don't have any treasure there. My heart's not there. My treasure's not there. And asking God for stuff. No, I want him to know, God, I'm going to ask you out of a heart that is concerned. And not only for me, I'm concerned about the church. I'm concerned about the kingdom. I'm concerned about the way things are going in the church. And God, help me to be one of those who is an investor in the kingdom of God. Can everybody clap for the Lord right there? Thank you. Brother Tom, Sister Debbie, you guys come up and, and uh, we're going to play a little something and we're going to close. I saw a song, a video song, and it's uh, by Howard Goodman, the Happy Goodman Singers. He had ministered for years, traveling, singing pastored a church, built a church and pastored a church.
for years and years and years. He came to the end of his life. And he said, according to his testimony, he said, you know, I got thinking about all the things that I've done. A treasure in heaven. He wrote this little song that says, I don't regret a mile. I've traveled for the Lord. I don't regret a time I've trusted in his word. I've seen many years go by, many days without a song. But I don't regret a single mile that I've traveled for the Lord. Start investing now. Don't wait till you're old. Start investing now. Young people, live your life investing in the kingdom of God. And when you're old, you'll look back and say, I wish I could have done more. I don't regret a single time. I don't regret the effort. I don't regret the money. I don't regret all the time that I spent helping the church, helping people, helping this gospel. It's a glorious thing. God is good. Amen. God is good. God is good. Would you stand with us this morning? Amen. Lord, we pray that it doesn't fall on deaf ears this morning, Lord, but it falls on ears of those that would hear a word of God, Lord. And we want to become investors in your kingdom, Lord. And if we have already, may we do more. Lord, may we. May we do our best in time and effort and finances, Lord, to your kingdom.
that beautiful? It only feels right just to surrender everything to the Lord. Give him your all.